I want to, I want to go to the Lord, uh, or go to the Word of the Lord here in just a moment. And the things that I have to say tonight are, I've probably said them a thousand times. Sometimes we just we need to be reminded of our walk with God. I want to talk tonight about the measure of maturity, and I want to use one word, and it's called commitment. Commitment. I, I, uh, I read a story. I read a story about a farmer and a cow and a chicken and a pig that were all having a heated discussion about who contributes most to the breakfast table. So when it seemed that there was no resolution between them, it was agreed that the next morning's meal would bear the answer. And when the morning came, the farmer, who was so proud that he had farmed and he could see the wonderful baked goods and the biscuits made from the wheat that he had grown, the cow was grinning with delight because there was large glasses of cold milk and rich, creamy butter placed on the table. The chicken cackled arrogantly as fried eggs and scrambled eggs filled the plates before each of them. The clamor in the room, the story said, grew as each one boasted of their contribution to the morning feast until they noticed that the pig was not at the table. Silence filled the room, and they hung their heads in shame as a large plate was set in the middle of the table piled high with ham and bacon. And they all realized that they merely gave something to breakfast, but the pig committed himself totally to breakfast. Now, that's, that's a funny story, but you know what? It carries a lot of meaning. It carries a lot of meaning. It was a man by the name of Ralph Neighbors that wrote in his book, The Shepherd's Guidebook, and he said this, the extent of a person's spiritual maturity is the extent of the commitment he or she has to kingdom activity. In other words, the more you grow in God, the more important the things of God become in your life. And other activities of our lives are distractions often, and they become less important and the activities that are not, not conducive to eternal life begin to fill our lives or we lay them down. So we understand the commitment of Jesus Christ. He made the ultimate commitment. He, lay, he gave his life for the kingdom. He died upon the cross, nails in his hands and in his feet, sword in his side. But the apostle Paul the Apostle Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 13 and 11. He said, when he was a child, he thought and spoke as a child. But when he became a man, and I'm put in parentheses there spiritually, he put away childish things. It's time that the church do the same. It's time that we become what we ought to be in the kingdom of God. I'm not here to point fingers tonight. I'm here to encourage every one of us to put away childish things and to become more committed and more mature in our walk with God than we've ever been. To begin to put away lesser things that occupy our time and our energy and to invest in eternal things 
is what this church and every church needs because the devil has made it his business to occupy our time. Amen? He'll get you so messed up with everything that's going on in your world and in your life. But we got to put away childish things. There's a lot of things that we all love to do. I was shaking hands before church and asking people, did you have a happy Thanksgiving? And, and everybody said yes. And then the, the question that we all get, do you eat too much? Yes. I hope God forgives gluttony because I were one. Amen. But you know what? There's some things that matter. There's some things that does not matter. The, sale, the telltale signs of spiritual immaturity is, is poor church attendance. Uninvolvement in things that are around you that are of God. Lack of cooperation with the body of Christ. Neglect of basic Christian disciplines. And I'm talking about basic things. We're talking about prayer and fasting and Bible reading and tithing and giving and worship are being quickly offended. That's when you can tell people are spiritually immature because God does not take first place in their life. They are uncommitted. I read, I read the scripture. I know what the scripture said. And the scripture talks about there being 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold Christians. didn't say that people that were 30-fold were lost. They just hadn't made that commitment that they need to make. They hadn't went as far. There will be people that come to God that give it everything they have. But I'm going I'm to talk to you now from the heart and, and, and be honest with you today. But it seems to me that after people are around the church for a while, they often, not everybody, please don't throw everybody into one sack here, but there are many that it just becomes old hat to them. It just becomes, oh well. It just becomes, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, the pastor can preach and it doesn't matter. The evangelist can preach and it doesn't matter. You're going to do your own thing. But let me tell you what God is calling in the 21st century. He is calling for committed people with maturity in the spirit to get closer to God than you've ever been and give more to God than you've ever given of yourself, of your time, of your ability, of everything that you have. Somebody said amen. So what are the marks of Christian maturity? Here's what it is. It's a firm faith in God. It's able to teach and to lead others by example. It's consistency in your walk with God. You're the same Christian on Monday that you were in church on Sunday. You live for God on Tuesday just like you do on Wednesday. It's called commitment. Does everybody understand where I'm coming from? I know people that have Sunday religion. I know people that have Christmas religion. I know people that don't come to church but once or twice a year. Matter of fact, I know people that have, that have become so spiritual that they feel like they don't need the church and need God. I sent somebody a text just this week, and I said, I haven't seen you in church. Oh, I'm praying, and I'm doing this. and I, I said, let me tell you something. And they probably mad at me I didn't receive an answer back. But here's the facts. 
I don't care how much you pray you need church. I don't care how much you pray you need a pastor. I don't care how much you pray you need the body of Christ. Because Jesus taught that in the scriptures. You can't get so spiritual that you can make it by yourself. I'm doing good stuff here tonight. This is Wednesday. This is not Sunday. You're going to hear it like it is tonight. But the facts are you're not an island. You can't be just anything and anybody you want to be. You've got to become involved in the kingdom of God and be consistent in the walk you have with God and be faithful in your Christian disciplines and your priority has got to be God. Somebody with me tonight? That's just the foundation. Oh, we're going places tonight. We're talking about maturity in God. Maturity comes with commitment to God. And when you totally commit to God, I'm not talking about contradictory commitment. Let me show you what contradictory commitment is, okay? Luke chapter 9, verse 57. If you put that on the screen, here's what it says. And I'm reading tonight in the King James Version. It came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. A man said that. And Jesus said unto him, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, this is pretty harsh, let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty powerful words. Notice verse 59 and 61. Verse 59, he said, Lord, he made him his Lord. He called him Lord. But he said, he said, Lord, but first, but first. He said, I need to go, and and I need to go do this, and I, I need to bury, so I need to go to the people that are at my house. I need to do this. The, the Bible teaches, that's, that's contradictory commitment. When you're committed to God, you follow him no matter where he goes. You follow him no matter what. You are totally given to God. The men confirmed their commitment to follow by calling him Lord. However, they no sooner declared Jesus as Lord than turned around and priority took over their relationship with God. I call that contradictory commitment. Either you are or you are not. Let me tell you something. I preached in this church months ago now that the Lord has his fan in his hand. We are living in the end of time. The Bible teaches that he's coming to the threshing floor. 
and the wheat will be thrown into the air. The chaff will blow away, but the wheat shall fall down upon the threshing floor. That's in the Bible. We're living in the days that God is figuring out who is and who is not. Who loves him, really loves him. Who is committed to him, really committed to him. Who wants to serve him with all of their heart and all of their soul and all of their mind and all of their strength. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot have contradictory commitment. We can't say, yeah, Lord, I'm here, but I got to do this first. Or this is more important than you. Let me tell you, I I don't know how you feel. In the Old Testament and years ago and in some countries now, there are idols, idols of stone, idols of wood. I, some people make nature an idol. There's all kind of idols. But let me tell you what an idol is. An idol is anything you put before the Almighty God. <laughs> I'll just let that sink. You've got to be committed without contradictory commitment. Here's a question. We talk about people backsliding. I wonder sometime if we're backsliding. Here's a question for you. Has there been a time in your life when you're closer to God than you are now? If so, if so, you're not going forward, you're sliding backwards. There is no There is no standing still in the kingdom. Either you're moving forward or you're retreating. There is no marking time in the church. You're either getting closer to God or you're getting farther from God. Now that don't mean, please don't misunderstand me. That don't mean that, 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 you know, you, you got to become so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You got to live in this world. But that means you get up every day pursuing God. Every day in love with God. Every day reading the Word of God. Every day involved in relationship with God. Every day. That's got to be your total commitment. You, you can't put God on the back burner of your life. You can't push God. I know this is simple stuff, and I meant for it to be simple stuff. But let me tell you, I, I, I strongly. I strongly suggest to you that if you're not going forward, you're going backward. And I'm not saying you're lost. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to get a hold of our commitment and move closer to God. We could not, we, we should never be losing ground. We should be gaining ground. Here's what the Lord said. Remember this. Remember this. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever plowed or not. With a tractor or with a mule. It doesn't make me any difference. But it, listen to me. You can't plow looking backwards. You're going to have a mess on your hands. Amen? I did a little farming in my time. I lived in farm country. I became friends with people in my church. They'd say, Pastor, you want to help me tomorrow? Yeah. Come drive a tractor. And they taught me how to drive a tractor. You've got to stay in a straight line you got to make sure all the rows are right. I mean, if you don't, you'd be doing this or this or this. Hello? Here's what Jesus said. If, you, if you're trying to walk with me looking back, if you're, if you're reaching for the world the whole time, you're trying to be committed to me. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. You can't live for God looking back. Let me tell you, there's a three-word sermon 
in the New Testament that Jesus taught. Does anybody know what that is? It was about a lady in the Old Testament that left a city that was full of sin. And God had angels to get her out of that city. And her, I, I, the Bible don't tell me her name. It just calls her Lot's wife. But let me tell you what Miss Lot did. She looked back and she turned into a pillar of salt. It is a three-word sermon that Jesus simply taught real plainly in the New Testament when he said, Remember Lot's wife. Whatever you do, remember Lot's wife. You can't go forward looking backward. I remember when I was a kid, lived on the south side of Monroe, and there was a man coming down South 10th Street, and he come across Plum Street, and he reached down to get something and took his eyes off the road, and a car hit him. And killed him on the spot. He took his eyes off the prize. You can't look away. Somebody said with me, you can't look away. Looking back is a it's a spiritual defect. It will cause you to lose out with God. I I, I see people come to God and they, you know, they they're sold out. They're just sold out. I, I, I love new people coming to the Lord because they're willing to do. Whatever, whatever. Preach it, preacher. If it's in the scripture, I'm willing to do it. I love that. I just love that. Uh, I, I, I had dinner with, with Taylor and, and uh, Gage here a couple weeks ago, and she made a statement that just rung my bell. I've not got over it. She said, just tell me what I need to do. She, she's new to this church. She said, just tell me what I need to do. What do I need to do? I want to be saved. Let me tell you, we got to do that right there. We got to say, God, whatever it is you're looking for out of me, I'm not reaching for the world with one hand and reaching for the church with the other. I want to be sold out to God. I want to be totally committed to God. I'm not looking back. I'm looking up and I'm looking forward because that's what causes spiritual maturity. Somebody shout amen. The subject looking back is a matter of weakening our commitment and lowering our disciplines. Would you, would you argue that America has lowered her moral standards? Marriage commitments are a joke in our nation. Parental commitment to children has been reduced to allowing them to do as they wish. Hillary Clinton suggests that children, children's right must equal their parents starting at the age of seven. She said that. Recent statistics reveal that 65% of all crimes committed in America are committed by school-aged children. Think about it. And Newsweek did a full news study on guns in school, and police have witnessed that crimes. You just you saw it this week. Some kid, 15 years old in Michigan, pulls out a gun and starts killing people, and people are in the hospital, and there's funerals where there ought to be joy. And That's the kind of world we're living in. Drugs, alcohol. Violence. It's a household word in the homes that we live in. Sex and perversion are the norm of our society. 
kids are out of here. I'm going to talk to you. Condoms are sold, are, are not sold. They're given away in grade schools and junior highs and high schools and college. It's just a normal thing now. America has, has no longer, it, it no longer honors prayer at ball games or graduating ceremonies or parties or school functions. This is where we are. Homosexually, homosexuality is being promoted as perfectly normal. I'm going to say it right now, and I don't care. I hope it's on the Internet. Put it out there. We got their suggestion that a homosexual become the president of the United States. I'll vote ten times if I can. And you probably can nowadays. What kind of America are we living in? It's being promoted as perfectly normal according to Stanford University as well as 95% of all universities. They consider alternative lifestyles politically correct and they, they won't call it sodomy and filthy abomination like the, war, the Bible does. You see, our country has slid back. We as the church can't afford to slide back. We can't become licentious and immoral in society. We've got to step forward and make a bigger commitment than we've ever made in our life. If God is going to save us and save our children and save our nation, it's going to be because of people that are committed to the kingdom of God. All it takes for the evil to prevail is for good men to keep silent. You know that. You know that. You see, ask yourself, ask yourself, has society affected you? Has it lowered your standards? Has it weakened your commitments? Let me tell you something. I'm the pastor of this church. I've been here over 32 years, 32 and a half now. I want you, I want you to hear me and hear me well. I, I've got people in this church today that aren't half the Christians they used to be. Most of them are not here tonight, so I don't have to worry about preaching this. But they used to be here on Wednesday night. I know it. Thank you. Because commitment is gone. Everything else is more important than God. Everything else is more important than church. Everything else is more important than me walking with God. See, when Eve continued talking to the wrong crowd, it led her to sin. When Eve continued talking to the wrong person, people, or should I say spirit. When the mere imagination of the world was evil, guess what? It ended in a flood. The Lord said about Noah's generation that their imaginations were evil. If you go read the story of Lot in the Old Testament, the book of Genesis, you know what the Bible said? In one chapter, the Bible said that Lot pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the very next chapter, the Bible said Lot was in Sodom. And historians say that Lot literally became the mayor of Sodom. He was consumed with the crowd around him. Abraham gave him the well-watered plains of Jordan, and he, he dwelt in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he became what they were. And God got angry, and God destroyed. This. You want to know what God thinks of homosexuality? I'm going to tell you right now. Put this out there too. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone and buried them at the bottom of a dead sea. in the office laugh at me 
I guess I'm pretty deaf on some things. They were laughing this week because I said, guys, let me tell you something. If I run off with a woman, you, you get, a, get you a ticket and come see her. If I run off with a man, you hear, I, you hear I, that, I run off with a man, you tell them that's the biggest lie ever hatched out of hell. I ain't running off with neither one. I'll, I value my life. I don't understand some people. I don't want to get on that grave table. Let me tell you, I've had people leave this church because they were so modernized and so so the world had got to them to they want to they want you to preach softy kind, you know. Just do you? I had a guy come to me years ago and said, "Can you preach it a little bit easier?" I said, "No." I was sitting. I'd take you the table in Logan's, and I'll show you where I was sitting. Can you just ease up on that a little bit? No. Why? Because it's a heaven or hell deal. It's not like if I want to buy a Chevrolet or a Ford. It's not like if I want to live on the south side or the north side or the east side or the west side. That's not what it's about. It's heaven or hell. And what we better preach is the Word of God. And we cannot back from that. And we've got to make a commitment to that. Thank you, Brother Rory, again for the message on Sunday. You better hear the right things. You better obey the Word of God. Because when that seed falls, it better fall on good ground in your life. Amen. This is no hour for the church to weaken. This is the hour for our commitment to become stronger. You want to talk about commitment? I, I, I didn't intend to say all this, but I will. When I was growing up, you, the, you talk about committed people. We didn't have all the amenities that, I, I didn't know what a cell phone was till probably the mid-90s. And then they were those fold-out kind. Your whole world's run by a cell phone now. But we had committed people. I can remember days when the ladies of the church, it was just made as an announcement. We're going to make fried pies. We're going to make peanut brittle. We're going to make suckers. I don't know what else we sold. We sold a bundle of stuff. But I tell you what we did. We had committed people. You could have church seven days a week and nobody griped. But we had committed people. I preached one time for seven weeks, twice every Sunday. Never had a rest night. But we had committed people. You don't have that kind of committed people. And I realize it's a different world. We're all busy. Men and women both work. You work five, six days a week and, and maybe one day off. And we, we, we've tried to make it convenient. But I, I'm just being honest with you tonight. I'm not sure that we have done the right thing in making it easy on people because they have lessened their commitment with us trying to make it easier on people. Look, let me tell you. Let me tell you, we need somebody to step up to the plate and say, Preacher, I'll be there. God, I'm in line. I'll do whatever I got to do because this is not about me. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about what I like. It's about what God likes. It's not about what makes me feel good. It's about what God what makes God feel good. Does anybody hear me tonight? It's no time to weaken in the church. It's the time for you to get your Bible in your hand and the word of God in your heart and to love him and serve him and give him your very best. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, Jesus was teaching, and he said, you cannot serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other. 
or despise one and hold to the other. It's impossible for you to serve two masters. Amen. Total, somebody say total commitment. Can you imagine what would happen if all the married couples in America suddenly had the total and absolute commitment to their marriage? The future of the divorce courts would be threatened. Could you imagine what would happen if every citizen in America, in American culture, suddenly had total and absolute commitment to honesty? You could go ahead and defund the police. Got enough said? I ain't for that either. Can you imagine what would happen if every student at every level in the nation's school system suddenly had total commitment to their studies? We'd have a generation of geniuses and more self-confidence. We'd have a generation of capable people. Total commitment, listen to me, raises the level of life. Total commitment is the fuel in the tank of every human being who ever achieved anything valuable and worthwhile. If you go look at inventors, most of them failed. Some once, some twice, some many times before they finally made their invention. Walt Disney went bankrupt. How many times? I can't remember. Does anybody know? Three times, Brother David. Three times. But now there's Disneyland and there's Disney World and you can't hardly get in there. You got to be committed. You got to say, God, this. Let me tell you a story that I heard, a powerful story to me. I've heard it years ago was brought to my attention today in, in my study again. It was a Haitian parable told of a man who wanted to sell his house for $2,000. And another man wanted to buy it very badly. But because he was poor, he couldn't afford the full price. So after much bargaining, the owner agreed to sell the house for half the original price with just one stipulation. One stipulation that he could retain ownership of one small nail, one nail protruding over his door, one nail. He said, if I can have that one nail, I'll sell you this house at half price. After several years, the story said that the owner wanted the house back, but the new owner was unwilling to sell. He wouldn't sell it. So the first owner went and hung the carcass of a dead dog from the nail that he still owned. And soon the house became unlivable and the family was forced to sell the house to the owner of the nail. The point of the parable is simple. If we leave the devil one small area of our life and we don't commit it all to God, 
he'll return and bring his rotten garbage and hang it on the nail and he will drive Jesus out of our lives. You can't afford to give him room. I'm telling you right now, the scripture bears on me often. It says, give no place to the devil. You can't allow him to have room in your life. You can't allow him to have a say in your life. You can't leave a nail and say, I'll just leave one nail. When you totally commit, you got to totally commit. Total commitment, whether it's in, in a relationship with the Lord or to work or to family or to anything else, it means dedicating every aspect of your life at being goals that you've set for the Lord and for eternity. We're not building here for this world. Our treasures are laid up in another world. That's why Jesus, he said to us and admonished us, he said, don't lay up treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves can break through and steal. He said, lay up your treasures in heaven where there are no moths that can corrupt and thieves can't get to it and they can't steal it because it's an eternal commitment. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, on a Wednesday night, I wish everyone, you got my text today, every member of this church needs to be here because we have to, to do what we've got to do. We've got to be totally committed to God in everything that we give him. The Apostle Paul understood it when he wrote Philippians 3, verse 13. But one thing I do, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, I haven't lost sight of the prize. I'm still looking. I'm still, I'm still committed. I'm still struggling to get there. Jesus made a spectacular statement to his own disciples in Mark chapter 16 and verse 24 when he said this, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever shall, will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man? What is a man? Is, what is, what, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The commitment that you have to make is you have to deny flesh and deny this old want to and this, de this desire. And, and you got to bring this mind under subjection. And you got to follow God day in and day out. That's why Paul said, I die daily. I'm giving you a lot of scripture tonight. But Paul said, I die every day. I got to die. This old man has to die every day. That's why when you get up out of bed in the morning, there ought to be a prayer on your lips. Oh, God, give me grace for this day. Give me mercy for this day. Help me to walk with you today. Let me hear your voice today. Am I preaching to anybody in this room today? Totally committed and denying ourselves for the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul wasn't off course when he said in Romans 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, your bodies. He's talking about our natural bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service. But look what he said in verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. 
but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be not conformed to this world. I don't want the world. One translation of that said, don't let the world put you in its grasp. Don't let the world mold you in its mold. We don't need the world telling us how to live for God. We need this right here telling us how to live for God. Are you with me? Are you with me? We've misconstrued that scripture. We've, th- we've, we've thrown everything in there that you can imagine. If we don't like it, we call the scripture. Be not conformed to this world. Well, let me tell you what it's talking about. Worldliness and a heart that's not after God and a, and a world that is living such as our world today where I named the things to you a few moments ago. Don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in those things because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, God is never pleased with us being conformed to the world help me Toby Philippians 3 7 but what things were gained to me Paul said those I counted loss for Christ he said yea doubtless and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss Notice what Paul said. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. If you don't understand that, see me after church. That I may win Christ. That's what Paul said. He said, I want to be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Watch what he said, that I may know him. Somebody quote that with me, that I may know him. How many of you want to know him? The connotation of that verse is to have a literal, intimate relationship with God. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Totally, totally. Luke 5, 27, I'm hurrying to a close. After all these, or after these things, he went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of customs, and he said unto him, follow me. Notice what verse 28 said. He left all. He left all. He left everything. Luke 18, verse 28 this is my last scripture, and I'm, I'm bringing to a close very quickly. Peter said, Lo, talking to the Lord, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come life everlasting. So that's why you have to let the dead bury the dead. That's why you don't have time to go say goodbye to the people at your house. That's why you become totally committed to God. 
People lose their families sometimes. It's not, I, I don't advocate that. I hate to see that. But I've seen people have to lose their families because they were totally committed to God. I've seen people lose their spouse sometimes because they were totally committed to God. One made the trip, one wouldn't make the trip. It brought division in their home. Let me tell you something. He said, you're not going to give up anything at any time that you're not going to have in this world and in the world to come. There's an eternity. Life is just a, a, a small moment. Just a small moment. Life is like a vapor. It's here, then it's gone. It's like water spilled on the ground and you can't gather it up again. Life is just short, but eternity's forever. And I'd rather make my commitment to God stronger than I've ever made it. And live for Him stronger than I've ever lived for Him. And I've been around the church and in the church and, and preaching for over 50 years. I've been in church all my life. I'm 68 years old. I've had the Holy Ghost 61 years. I got it when I was seven years old. I received the Holy Ghost at seven years old as a child. I've never seen a day more horrible than this day to try to raise kids and be a Christian. You're going to fight hell to be a Christian in this day. Excuse me, but that's the facts. But who's got the commitment to say, God, no matter what, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to give. I'm going to be there. Whatever you want me to do, Lord, here am I. Send me. Is there anybody that would just stand with me right now and raise your hands and make a commitment to God? God, I'm here. I'm here. I want you to use me, Lord. Here am I. Send me. I'm committed to you today. My commitment has got to be strong. My commitment is my maturity. It's showing that I'm growing in God. I'm not running away. I'm not backing up. I'm not doing the things that I know I shouldn't do. I'm not, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, help us here right now. Touch our minds this evening, Lord. Touch our hearts this evening, God. Let us walk before you and commit ourselves unto you. Thank you to those of you who have been here so long and yet you remain so committed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So long and yet you're so committed. You love God more than you love the world. You're not going to let things distract you. Lesser things. Things that don't matter. Look, I hope nobody walks out of here miscalculating what I'm saying tonight. I don't make one apology for anything I've said. I'm, I'm not into that. But I want to make sure you understand me. There's things in the world that we like to do as long as they're, they're godly and good. And you're not doing things wrong. It's okay. You can't talk in tongues 24 hours a day. I'm not advocating that. But here's what I am advocating. Don't let a day go by that you don't renew your commitment with God and make sure that he's first in your life, that he's number one in your life. Your priorities have got to be God.